Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. So we're looking at the topic here as we go through hope to the end. That's kind of the theme, if you will, of the book of 1 Peter is trying to encourage these persecuted, discouraged, distraught, scattered Christians to have hope and where their hope is found, and that is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we understand hope is an absolutely key ingredient for a life worth living. Honestly, many times hope is what gets us through each and every day. Hope can help us to uh, get through the hard times, the trials, and so forth. But hope does this. It produces joy. It creates purpose. It produces patience. We see that in the book of James. It produces drive, thankfulness, and even freedom that we can live without worry, without concern all the time. And so without hope, there's really no reason to get up in the morning. There's no reason to push through the difficulties and the trials of life without hope of a degree when you're going to college or actually the hope of learning something beneficial. There's no reason to go through the pains of class and homework and so forth. So the hope of the degree pushes the person through uh, the pains and the trials of the classwork. Without the hope of a paycheck, right, there's no reason to give your time and energy at a job and work hard. Hope The hope of the paycheck and the hope of uh, the tangible results of your work is what gets us through that. Now, Peter has established that a believer has a living hope in verse number three. We saw that, and it's based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So this hope is something the world longs to have have, but cannot possess without Jesus Christ. Why? Because a living hope is found in a living God and in a living Savior based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Peter continues his theme here of hoping to the end. uh, And we see, first of all here, that we are to hope to the end for grace. Verse number 13 says this as he continues writing, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so here we see letter A, the position to receive grace. And we see here it has the, has the idea of dealing with our mind. He says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. And so we see three areas here in our mind that we must be positioned in order to receive grace. Number one is a disciplined mind. We are to gird up the loins of our mind. This means the mind is being held in constant preparation. We're pulling our thoughts together in order to have a disciplined mind. You know, the mind is where so much goes down. Our mind has the power to influence the rest of our body. It's a vital aspect of where we will either have hope or will not. Basically, the battle is won or lost in our minds, and that's why we must have a disciplined mind. You and I can look on all the circumstances of life. We can look on the trials that Peter talked about in the uh, the first part of the chapter here, and those circumstances will cause us to become stressed, anxious, uh, distraught, uh, overwhelmed. Where does all that happen? It happens in our mind, and then ultimately that affects affects our body. And so in our mind is where we're going to control this aspect of if we're going to have hope or not, because it's really up to us as a believer. You can go through life feeling hopeless, even though you possess the, uh, the giver of hope. 
Even though you may possess salvation through Jesus Christ, you can make a choice by allowing your mind to go all different ways. But if we'll live with a disciplined mind, girding up the loins of our mind, we're holding our mind in constant preparation. And then secondly, we need to have a sober mind. This means to be watchful, to to be calm and collected in spirit. Many times we think about being sober in contrast to maybe someone who's intoxicated, someone who's drunk. And so in contrast there, the person who is drunk or intoxicated is maybe not so much a Aware of their surroundings. They're typically not calm. Uh, many times alcohol provokes people, uh, their emotions, sometimes anger, and they're a little more rowdy. They're definitely not collected in spirit. So sober here is in direct contrast to that, but it's referring to an individual that is self-controlled and watch this, and able to see things clearly. Because of the self-control, because their mind is disciplined, able to see things clearly without interference of worry, stress, or fear. Because worry will cloud your mind. Stress will cloud your mind. Fear will overwhelm you. And it begins to cloud our mind where we cannot see clearly, and thus it clouds our hope. And then number three is a hopeful mind. We are to hope to the end. That's what he says here in the the middle portion of this verse. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This means to set your hope fully. It refers to a complete or perfect hope wanting nothing else. So the hope that God provides through the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all we need. And so as we have this mental mindset of a disciplined mind, a sober mind, a hopeful mind, we get to experience the grace of God in our lives. And so we see the position to receive grace, and then letter B, we see the resource that provides grace. What is grace? We, we talk about that a lot as believers. It's a word tossed around in conversation with Christians. It's tossed around in church. It's tossed around in Christian literature and podcasts and YouTube videos and so forth. Uh, we would define grace is getting what you do not deserve. Uh, It's God's unmerited favor and kindness. It's really this. It's the expressed love of God toward men. You're getting something you do not deserve. So grace is the free gift of God given at salvation. There's no strings attached. For by grace are you saved through faith. And then not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. So what is the gift of God? It's the grace And so grace is set in contrast to the law. We see that in John chapter 1, verse 17, the law demands righteousness through works, right? But grace gives righteousness to man without works. Think about that. So the law demands righteousness by you doing works or keeping the law. But grace gives freely righteousness to man without works, without anything he can do, meaning you don't deserve what you get. And so John 1, 17, Jesus said this, For the law was given by Moses, but, meaning in contrast, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So they're, they're put in direct contrast to each other. When is this grace brought to you and brought to me? Peter tells us at the revelation of Jesus Christ or when Jesus Christ returns. Who brings this grace to us? Well, God provides the grace through Jesus Christ. And this is why we have a living hope that we can hope to the end with. We can hold on to till the end. It's not just a temporary hope. It's not a hope for next month or next year. It's a hope until the end. And this hope is what helps us persevere through the trials, pain, and trouble of life, looking to the end for the grace. 
You see, hope keeps our eyes forward and hope keeps us focused uh, on God and on uh, the grace that is to come. So we're to hope to the end as, or hope to the end for grace. And then secondly, we're to hope to the end as obedient children. So Peter continues writing here in verse number 14. He says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust, uh, in your ignorance. So letter A, living like God wants you to. That's o- being obedient, right? We're to hope to the end as obedient children. When you think about obedient children, what comes to mind? You think about maybe they're faithful to their parents. Uh, they're obeying instructions with what? With joy, with respect. They're, they're loving. Uh, they listen intently. Warren Wiersbe wrote this, Outlook determines outcome. Attitude determines action. A Christian who is looking for the glory of God has a greater motivation for present obedience than a Christian who ignores the Lord's return. So here we're talking about having a disciplined mind, right? That's what he's talking about, having a disciplined, sober, watchful mind, hoping unto the end. And so our outlook will determine our outcome. What we're looking at and what we're hoping for will have a direct effect on how we live. And so we should be living as obedient children. Why? Because our hope is in Jesus Christ. We have a living hope. And as we hope to the end, we should live like Jesus would have us to live. We should live like true followers of Jesus Christ. So you and I have a choice of how we will wait for the end of our hope. As obedient children or as disobedient children? So he says, as obedient children, living like God wants you to, and then let her be not living like you used to. And so here he says this word, fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. So we understand this former lust is living like they used to live. And this fashioning yourselves means assuming an outward appearance patterned after some certain thing. It's an outward appearance or expression that does not come from within. So what is it? It's fake. And lust in this passage, lust can be, lust in general means a strong desire or craving, but lust in our passage here is used in reference to evil. That's how it's predominantly used in Scripture. Kenneth Wee says this, it refers here to the act of a child of God, assuming as an outward expression the habits, mannerisms, dress, speech, expressions, and behavior of the world, out from which God saved him thus not given a true expression of what he is, a cleansed, regenerated child of God, but instead hiding the Lord Jesus who should be seen in the life of the Christian. It is the believer masquerading in the costume of the world. And so here we see we're to live like uh, God wants us to and not like we used to before we became a believer. Now, what does this have to do with our hope, living a certain way? How could this hinder our hope? Well, assuming in the appearance and ways of the world will diminish our hope. Why? Because it will begin to cloud out our view and understanding of the source of our hope. When we begin to live like the world and sin becomes uh, normal or we have unconfessed sin, uh, we begin to pull ourselves away from God. We can begin to divide ourselves, and we begin to get cloudy in our vision of God and of holiness and of His will. So it begins to produce hopelessness. Peter is saying this, Stop being molded by the outward pressures and undergo a deep internal change. Allow God to do a work in your heart. He gave you the Holy Spirit to live in you. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. 
You see, you can claim ignorance when you didn't know. I wasn't supposed to do that. I wasn't supposed to live like that. But now that you know, it is no longer ignorance, but sin or rebellion. Notice what he says there. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. So it's one thing to say, well, I wasn't quite sure because I didn't know God's word. I didn't grow up in church for me personally. And so for me to have knowledge of everything God wanted from me, I did not have that. So there's many things I did in ignorance. There's many things I did in ignorance, but my conscience was telling me, no, you shouldn't do that. Uh, But there was an ignorance part there. Now I know and I know better and I know how I'm supposed to live. And so as we hope to the end, we need to do that uh, for grace as obedient children. Then lastly here, holy in all manner of conversation. He says in verse 15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. So we're called by the one who is holy. That's letter A. So we can hope to the end because the one who provides our hope is holy. Now, holy means set apart. It means pure. It means without sin. So it's set apart from sin to righteousness. And as a holy God, God's character is what is unstained, is perfect, is holy. He essentially this, he means what he says and says what he means. He cannot lie. And because he's holy, our hope is in a holy God. And his holiness is unchanging, therefore his promises are unchanging. Therefore you can hope to the end because your source of hope does not change. Think about that. So we're called by the one who is holy, but we're also commanded in this passage to be holy. Look what it says, uh, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So he says, look, I'm not asking you to do something that I am not or I'm not doing. I'm asking you to be holy because that's what I am. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on this earth. He lived holy, and that is our uh, motivation, and that is our goal. Will we achieve sinless perfection? No, because we cannot achieve sinless perfection. Is that, a, is that an excuse? To live like we want to? No, Paul dealt with that. We can't allow grace, that free gift of something you don't deserve, to be a a reason or a license, if you will, for us to sin. God forbid, he says. But we're commanded to be holy, and living holy lives is something you don't hear a lot about much anymore. I don't hear a lot of preaching and teaching on holiness. Why is that? Because honestly, when we think about holiness, I don't know about you, but it's challenging. It's scary. It's, It's other than. Like, you know, we understand God is holy. We're not. We understand also Moses desired to see God, and God said, look, you cannot look on me. Because I am holy, you are sinful, and I am holy, and my holiness can harm you. So he said, look, you go in the cleft of the rock, and I'll pass by you, and you can see my hinder parts. And that's what occurred. But what was Moses desiring? He was desiring to see the holiness of God. Now, we're commanded to be holy because God is holy. And the inward holiness we receive at salvation should find its outward expression in our lives. Think about it. You have been given the Holy Spirit, holy, 
Spirit. So we can be holy. Why? Because God has given us the spirit that is holy that will enable us. Now, he says here we're to be holy in all manner of conversation. Conversation is just your way of life. It's your conduct, behavior. It's not just how you speak or your your uh, dialogue with people, your conversation with people. That's what we think of it. But when the Bible was written, it meant your whole way of life, your contact, your conduct, the way you talk and act all together. Now, he says here in all manner of conversation. So in every aspect of our lives, we are to be holy. That means in class. It means with friends. It means with work. It means no matter which peer group you're hanging with or which people you're around, you're the same. When we're alone, when we're driving, whether we're with Christians or non-Christians, it does not matter. So you and I can hope to the end. And that's what Paul, I mean, Peter is stressing here is that we have a living hope that will carry us through to the end. So the hope we possess on the inside should be revealed in how we live our lives on the outside. Are you living with hope? It should be evident in your life. Do you bring hope to other people in situations? They should experience the hope that you have, especially unbelievers, especially this lost world who are yearning and seeking and searching so so hard for hope and happiness. Now, are you struggling with hope? If so, many times we do in our lives because different things will begin to cloud out. Doubts will come in. Questions will come in. Trials and circumstances, as Peter talked about early on. So what do we do? Take time and meditate on the source of your hope. That is God. That is Jesus Christ. Meditate on the promises that he's given to you. Meditate through this passage of Scripture, through this chapter, about how we have hope. And we have hope because it's based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So meditate there on the hope that the resurrection of Jesus Christ produces. Meditate on the hope of the character of an unchanging God and what that produces in your life. See, those things are the ingredients. Those things are the source, the foundation that produces produces a living hope in our life so that you and I can hope to the end regardless of what occurs in our lives. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.